case you missed it, looking back on a few of our most popular episodes over the past 12 months. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is a special year-end edition of Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. And here now is NBAA President and CEO Ed Bolin. I think so much of who we are and what we do is built on the experiences that we've had and the things that kind of are deeply encoded in us. And I think in the aviation community, the business aviation community, there is a lot of experience with sharing experiences, learning from others, and finding ways to get things done effectively, efficiently, and safely. And I think that really helped prepare us for going into a year that was dominated by COVID. Uh, We were facing a challenge we had never faced, facing a challenge from an enemy we didn't fully know or understand. And so what we did is we relied on each other, found ways to learn from each other, share our experiences, and really help the community to find ways forward. Ed spoke with me on February 8th of this year about the resilience demonstrated across our industry in 2020 and what he expected to be the biggest developments for business aviation in the year ahead. Here's a bit more now of that conversation, which was one of our most downloaded flight plan episodes for 2021. Ed, you mentioned a few tailwinds we have at our backs to help propel business aviation forward. What are you most excited to see in 2021? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, there's so much good stuff that is going on in aviation and has been going on even during the COVID-19. And I talked about the progress that we're making on sustainability, particularly with sustainable aviation fuel. We touched a little bit on technology, but my goodness, this is one of the most exciting technology times I think in the history of aviation, you know, we're, we're seeing continued excitement and growth in the advanced air mobility market. Lots of bright people, lots of exciting new technologies, lots of capital coming into that industry. We continue to see advances being made in supersonic and even commercial space launch. So technology is just, it's an amazing thing to witness how rapidly it is developing areas uh, including electric propulsion, hydrogen propulsion, hybrid propulsion. So I think technology continues to be uh, a huge, exciting area and one at NBAA, we are working hard to foster and make sure that our operating environment is capable of meeting the needs of this new and emerging technology. I'm excited about the growing focus on our industry to look for talent everywhere to work at making sure that our community understands that in order for us to have a strong future, we need to attract and retain the brightest talent. And that sometimes means looking in places we haven't looked before, reaching out to communities we haven't reached out to before. And so I think that there continue to be exciting developments as NBAA works with universities and others to promote business aviation and make sure that our industry is open, it's inclusive, and it's capable of attracting the best and the brightest to help us go forward. Safety is another important topic throughout business aviation, and demonstrating a professional mindset is key to then following safe operating practices. 
Back in January, I had the pleasure of speaking with three of the nine recipients of the 2020 Dr. Tony Kern Professionalism in Aviation Award, Erica Armstrong, Mitch Lawness, and Christopher Bing. We pick up that conversation now with Chris's advice for those looking to adopt a professional attitude in their own flight operations. So to me, the Tony Kern Award is part of its networking, but it's being a role model. I actually got an email this weekend. My my parents' friend, they have a son going to Marudo, and I guess he's struggling. But it's part of being a professional and reaching out to that next generation that I think a lot of us might have pictures. Maybe we don't anymore. Social media, it's easier to see now. But all of us have at some point went to a cockpit of an airplane. And it's that individual who took that time out of their day. You know, they might have been tired. It might have been six legs. We don't really know. But they took time out of their day to share what they do and their craft. And so I I think it's really things like that. Also, we're going to continue our internship program. Raytheon would typically do a semester one. United Technologies would typically do one that was only a week. But we're going to have some sort of combination. And, you know, that going to take care of the pilot group also for maintenance um, that we've typically done one over the summer with the aviation A&P school that's nearby. So I really think being a professional and that networking, the next generation is really important. Mitch? Well, we have a different environment right now, but the principles are largely the same. Judgment is really key to what we do and leadership is is huge. And that's what Tony really talked about. He, he talked about establishing some sort of protocols so that you can improve your judgment and working in an environment where leadership supports that. And we don't ever want to forget that. We don't want to reduce it to a matrix. We don't want to uh, make it a mathematical equation. We want to train people and value their experience and empower them to make smart decisions. Explore ways to expand into a, a part of our industry that's perhaps a little different discipline. Try to focus on your skills that you can sharpen with what you've got available if you're not flying. So really, being part of a community is a big, big part of it. Not being able to see people, perhaps not being able to get together is not limiting how we interact. Many of us are interacting on social media and YouTube and Zoom calls, and those tools remain powerful. Uh, They may not be the top of our toolkit, but they're very, very helpful. And if we listen and learn from each other, that's what you have to do as a professional to continue to move forward. Chris and Mitch, you guys nailed it perfectly. Um, I teach at MSU Denver in their aviation department. So I teach aircraft systems and propulsion. I teach aviation fundamentals and commercial operations. So I have these brand new students coming right out of high school. They're all doughy-eyed, still, you know, in love with aviation, but they're they're questioning their their decision right now. Uh, we were all flying when 9/11 was happening. Um, so I remember I remember the headlines, and I remember, I remember specifically being told that aviation will never be the same that the images of those airplanes being used for weapons were were seared into our psyche and that the public would just not choose to fly again. Those of us that have been in it for a while, we know that we're going to have these ups and downs. Um, We're going to get a handle on this pandemic. And the irony of it that I'm seeing, um, if you look at the economics of it and you look at the attrition charts, we are setting ourselves up nicely again for another pilot shortage. 
if we can get this vaccine rolled out and if it's effective, we can get ourselves back on track. And in about 24 months, we'll be looking at a situation where we do not have enough qualified pilots again. So I'm definitely reminding my students to hang in there. Um, you got to look at the, the big big picture of aviation. Um, you got to be in it for the long haul. Most every pilot that I know has experienced a furlough or a layoff or a firing or uh, flight department mergers. Um, something in your career is going to happen that you're not expecting it. This is just one of those things. And just hang in there. And just like what Chris and Mitch were saying, it's important to not get soured um, on our profession. It, it can happen. We can get tired. It's fatiguing. Um, you can have a rough week with crew, crew scheduling. But it's important to remember that spirit of aviation that you used to have, that spirit that's coming into my classroom. I want to be able to maintain that um, even um, with all this adversity around them. So being able to reach back and help that, that next pilot is the best way to be a professional in this world. Coming up, we'll look back at a few more of the most popular flight plan episodes in 2021. But first, a message from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, the latest digital edition of your magazine is ready. Just visit nbaa.org insider and all the latest intel will be in your hands. We're back now with our look back at our most downloaded podcasts over the past year. Probably the biggest benefit I find in hosting Flight Plan every week is the ability to quickly put information before listeners about late-breaking developments in our industry. That certainly was the case back in early September, when we examined the FAA's newly implemented Pilot Records Database. NBAA's Brian Kester, CAM, provided insights on the association's advocacy efforts when the PRD was first announced. Last year, you know, at the height of the pandemic, the FAA released the NPRM announcing the proposed rule for the new pilot records database. And this is something they've been working on for 10 years with everything else going on. They, they announced this rule and the original announcement included a lot of things that were going to be incredibly burdensome for all operators. And particularly we thought might be overly burdensome for part 91 operators who don't even get the safety benefits that come from uh, the pilot records database. As I mentioned before, the, the database is designed for commercial operators hiring new pilots, not for uh, private operators hiring new pilots. So they were going to be asked to contribute all the same information as the certificate holders but not get any of the benefit. And so we saw that as a problem. And we also saw that they were going to require a lot of information related to FAR 6157, so recency and currency requirements, which as we started looking into it, it could have meant contributing to the database as frequently as after shooting every single approach or anytime you flew at night, logging night hours for night currency or, or night landings, which would have required accessing the database with an incredible level of frequency. Uh, fortunately, NBAA and all of its members and a large part of the GA community got together and let the FAA know how they felt about this proposed rule. We put out a call to action for our grassroots advocacy effort, asking members to let the FAA know how they felt and how it would impact their operation. 
and we had 600 responses through that call to action. So a tremendous effort from the NBA membership. It's great to see the regulatory process work the way it's designed. And when uh, the members spoke up, the FAA listened and really walked back a lot of the reporting requirements. So instead of having to report what could have been as frequently as just about every single flight, now Part 91 operators only have to report when a pilot is terminated for reasons related to that individual's performance as a pilot or upon request. So if someone leaves of their own accord and then they go to apply for a commercial air carrier and that air carrier requests records, then the Part 91 operator would have to provide that information to the database. And Brian, I understand NBAA recently published a new resource for members about PRD requirements. That's available at nbaa.org slash PRD guide. All this is outlined in that resource guide. And I've, I've got to thank the members of NBA's Regulatory Issues Advisory Group who helped put that guide together. I uh, tried to condense the 200-page NPRM, the final rule, the regulatory language from that, and the lengthy advisory circular all condensed into a quick and easy-to-digest guide. Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic and its impact on flight operations continued to be the top news story throughout 2021. In May, as the world slowly began to reopen to business aviation, Flight Plan addressed the controversial matter of flight crew vaccinations, with guests including Aviation Personnel International President and CEO Cheryl Barden, CAM, and Dr. Michael Wolf, a senior AME and senior associate consultant in the Division of Preventative Occupational and Aerospace Medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Cheryl, given your perspective on current goings-on at many flight operations, what are you seeing throughout the business aviation community regarding these vaccinations? I've taken and watched a number of different informal polls, and I would say there is nothing formalized out there as to what business aviation, and I would really say my focus has been on what is Part 91, especially business aviation, doing in relation to this. And what I can tell you is that I think a very, very thin percentage, certainly less than 10 percentage of our organizations today are requiring proof of a vaccine for their flight crews and or their passengers. There certainly are some entities that have said, you're not getting on this aircraft or even maintaining this aircraft without proof of a vaccine, but that is few and far between. I think mostly what we're seeing today continues to be that we have testing protocols for our crews and our passengers. And those testing protocols are ranging from what I've seen of testing on an every 48-hour basis to testing before each flight to testing only once we know that someone who might be associated with our flight department or be a passenger has been exposed. Dr. Wolf, what's your position on those who have concerns about receiving a COVID-19 vaccine? 
I take it very seriously and I, I want to make sure that I listen to everybody's individual concerns because they come from, from different positions, some due to specific concerns about safety, some concerned about their individual side effects, some about the way that it's been tested or perhaps the way it's being communicated. And we, we particularly find that in, in, in some communities and some uh, cultures throughout the United States and, and frankly, globally, where we haven't done as, as good a job in communicating this uh, as I think that we could. And I, I hope that we're starting to respond to that as a medical community. But I would say that I'm a tremendous supporter for universal vaccination. I would recommend that those in the aviation industry consider three things. First, being in the transportation industry, and particularly because people in this business may be in contact uh, with people across regions and borders where the the prevalence of COVID and also the, the different strains of COVID may be different. They are really at the front lines and risk being to being exposed to people with COVID-19 every day on the job. Second, I would say that protecting you also helps protect your family, the people that you work with, and who are your passengers, especially those who may be at higher risk for severe illness from, from COVID. And finally, you as our patient, as the individual in the aviation industry and receiving a vaccine, you matter and you play an essential role in keeping the community healthy. The newest data show that being vaccinated can prevent 97% of severe and life-threatening infections, not to mention preventing against long-term, if not permanent symptoms that can arise from less severe COVID infections. So uh, I try to sit down with, with anybody who has any concerns and make sure that they understand some of these considerations. And I really hope that they will go out and, and get vaccinated as soon as they can. Vaccinations against COVID-19 were also at the forefront of the long-sought reopening of the U.S.-Canadian border to business aviation passengers. That happened on August 9th, and our episode examining the new requirements to enter that country was our most downloaded flight plan of the year. Here's Henry Duke LaDuke, Operations Manager at UAS International Trip Support, and Chad Patnode, Flight Operations Manager at Pfizer. Chad, what will these changes mean for your flight operation? You know, Canada used to be a pretty easy country to operate into. It didn't take a lot of planning on the part of dispatchers or the flight crew. Obviously, the, the normal customs and uh, camp pass procedures were pretty easy. But operating into Canada has become very difficult, obviously uh, even more difficult prior to the border opening up. You had to really prove your case on why you needed to go to Canada. And customs officers were going to vet all of your paperwork. So it wasn't as seamless as it used to be, and understandably so. With the new opening procedures, from what I'm seeing, you can expect it to be uh, a little slower than in the good old days prior to COVID, but still faster than where it was during the throes of COVID-19. So the reason why I believe it's going to be slower is just because there are a lot of operations into these major Canadian airports before COVID where you wouldn't even see a customs officer. But now you're almost guaranteed to see one because of they'll need to check the Arrive Can app. They'll make sure that everyone has their vaccination records and not showing any symptoms. So they're obviously taking it very seriously as they should. You talked about flying into Canada over the past year, Chad, before the border was reopened. What was required to do that? 
you had to be either repatriating, you already had to be a citizen entering the country, you know, a Canadian citizen entering back into Canada, or you needed to be healthcare workers or anybody that is trying to help curb COVID-19 basically is the only reason why you would be able to enter. And what is great is that this Arrive Can app that Duke alluded to, the first page on there outlines everything that you need to know about being allowed into Canada in today's time. And if you're not vaccinated, it still tells you there's a very good checklist on are you exempt from the restriction of entering? Are you able to enter? And it has a really good, almost like a questionnaire for you to go through to see if you qualify to enter. The things that you're going to want to have on hand, in addition to the stuff that you need to do advance of the flight with the ArriveCan app, is you're going to want to have a hard copy of the proof of vaccination, which is that uh, CDC vaccination card is acceptable. You're also going to want a hard copy of the negative PCR test results in hand. And then most importantly is going to be the written quarantine plan, which is going to be uh, something that they're going to be looking for. You will be able to register that through the ArriveCan app, but it's probably a very good best practice to go ahead and have a written copy of what that means. And primarily the key things that they're looking for are a place to stay, and the ability to be able to obtain food and other necessities while you're there without any contact. And that's in the event that they would subsequently test positive for COVID-19 once in the country. That's correct, because even though they've curtailed the requirement to be PCR tested on arrival, they also leave it open to random testing. So there will theoretically be random testing going on. We're not seeing a lot of it right now. And as busy as the customs officials will be, it might not likely happen, but it's something that could happen. And you just need to be prepared for that. Preparedness and the ever-changing environment for business aviation will surely continue to be an important theme across our industry in the coming year. And for the very latest news and information affecting our industry, be sure to listen to this podcast every week at nbaa.org slash flight plan. Of course, you can find these highlighted episodes archived there as well. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, hoping you've had a wonderful holiday season and wishing you a very happy new year. As always, thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.